Well, good morning. Have a seat. How y'all doing? I'm going to warm them up for you, Davis. How are you doing? There we go. There we go. Hey, if you're a guest today, my name's Trey Kelly. I'm lead pastor here. And I uh, love you guys. So excited that you're here for, uh, with us today. Um, this is one of my favorite weeks of the year. Uh, several uh, people will be leaving this afternoon. The rest of us will be leaving tomorrow for student camp. We talked about that this morning. Um, taking 166 kids, uh, 50 adults. So, so pumped about it. And last year, um, we started uh, doing something. We tried something, and we really loved it. And so we've decided to do it again this year. Um, because God has, has blessed our, our ministry um, with, I called you an ex-Wellspring student. You're not ex you will always be a Wellspring student. Um, but God has, has blessed us. Some of our Wellspring students who have graduated and moved on have been called into full-time ministry. And so last year, we had them come back. And we had one speak the day we left for camp and then one speak when we came back from camp just because we wanted to highlight our investment in the next generation for you to see what God's doing uh, because this is your church and God's moving and, and changing lives. And so we're excited to do that again today. Um, we got a guy back. He was here last year and uh, come back to, to be with us again. I've known this guy a really long time, and for most of it, he's been older than I am. Um, he, if you know Davis, he's been an adult since he was four. Uh, but uh, uh, I got the privilege of already hearing this sermon once, and I know it's fantastic, and so I don't want you to listen to me anymore. I, I'm, I'm so pumped, and I'm so honored you're here. Thank you for, for sharing with us. And so, hey, welcome to the stage, my buddy, Davis Goodrow. Thanks, Trey. I'm so excited to be here. Um, it was just reinvigorating even being here this morning. If we, if we haven't got the chance to meet, my name is Davis Goodrow. Um, so excited to be back. When, when they mentioned the idea of us coming back for this summer, it even helped me remember how last summer was for me. It was the first time that I had gotten up on stage on a Sunday morning and preached a sermon. Uh, it was a really cool opportunity because it helped me it helped me decide um, that I do want to step into ministry. As, as Trey uh, mentioned, I know he did it at the first service. Um, me and Campbell Sims, who will be here next Sunday, are really excited to just keep seeing what God's doing in our lives. Um, I am so excited, especially for the, the students in the room and the leaders. I actually remember when Wellspring students, this is probably more than 10 years ago now, um, was it was three or four students and two leaders at the YMCA. So this was a long time ago, and now tomorrow there's going to be over 200 people at Camp Bob Cooper for student camp. So it really is cool. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome to, to see how God has continued to use um, Wellspring students to reach local middle schools and high schools. So students, I'm excited for y'all. Leaders, y'all are the best, seriously, to go spend a week, take off from work. It's really cool, and it's worth it. It really is. Um, I guess I'm, I'm evidence that it is worth it, because some of those camps really helped me form into, into who I am today. So uh, I'm here with my wife, Karis. We graduated from Clemson a little over a year ago. Go Tigers. Um, yes, so we are currently living in Greenville, South Carolina. We're actually getting ready for a pretty big move in about two weeks. We're moving to San Diego on August 5th. So that is far away. I'll get to share um, more of what that looks like here in a bit. But um, we love 
uh, Wellspring, and we are so thankful for what it's done in our lives um, and what it's doing to Myrtle Beach. And, and when they did give me the opportunity to come back, like I said, I knew I wanted to speak. I knew it was a great opportunity. Didn't really know what I wanted to talk about at the time. This was January-ish. Um, and, and I was actually home in February. I was home to see my little brother play a baseball game and got to come to Wellspring. Trey was preaching through the series Blueprint. I don't know if any of y'all um, remember it or got to come, but he was preaching through the book of Ephesians. And in Ephesians 2, the, the one Sunday I came back this, this spring, um, he shared with us that we are born in sin and that we um, live in a sinful world. And that's part of, that, that is why we need Jesus. And, and obviously, first Sunday back in a while, I was like, wow, that's, that's bold to, to come back, so exciting, uh, yeah, whatever. Um, but it's the truth, and it's hard to believe sometimes. Um, but I want to share with y'all how I took hearing that message um, in February of this year and how God's continued to nudge me and even do a deep dive into my own life of, do I realize I'm bored in sin? Do I, do I truly believe that? And why does that even matter? Trey challenged us with a, a statement uh, at that sermon. Uh, he said, we don't like to admit it, but it's only when we do that we experience God like we're supposed to. It's only when we do admit our sin that we experience God the way he wants us to. Uh, and that truly, like I said, helped me um, look into what were my motives in life? What was I, how was I experiencing God? Where am I coming from? Do I truly understand that I'm sinful? It, it reminded me of even in middle school and early high school, my Instagram bio, this is a bit embarrassing, I'm ashamed of it now, but my Instagram bio was hustle until you no longer have to introduce yourself. Um, that is how I wanted to live my life. It was all about me. I wanted to do everything in my power to help people know who I was, that I was a good baseball player, a good student, or a good kid, whatever, as Trey says, a good adult at 12, whatever. Um, so with all that being said, it helped me continue to, to just challenge myself and realize, am I experiencing God the way I should be? Uh, and, and with that idea of being born in sin, um, I, I, it led me to 1 Timothy 1. And that's where, if you have your Bible or your Bible apps, I'd love for you to turn. It'll also be on the screens. Um, but just go ahead and turn there so you can follow along. And, and 1 Timothy, this is a book that Paul is writing to Timothy. So it's the church of Ephesus, um, a few years old now. And Paul, who helped start the church, just like, for example, Trey helped start this church. It'd be like if, if Trey were to to move away and send a letter back. Obviously, he's still here. All illustrations break down. But um, with that in mind, so Paul is now writing back to Timothy, a younger guy who is still in the area, to, to steer clear of a few things that he saw or observed and heard were happening at this church. And he was reminding them of a few things to keep central. He's saying, for y'all's church, y'all got to keep these things the main things. Uh, and so I'd love to just go ahead and read through and unpack it with y'all, starting in verse 12 of 1 Timothy 1. Uh, we see that it says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. So again, this is Paul talking. Paul starts right off the bat in his letter back to Timothy. Uh, in this section, he says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He doesn't say anything else before he acknowledges where his strength comes from. This is, this is where I bring us today because for me, 
being very full of myself, in all honesty, being very prideful. Um, and, and of course, there's some things that are good about being confident, but I was way too full of myself. Uh, and so right off the bat, this passage shows me my strength does not come from me. My strength is not because of who I am, how I was raised, whatever. Yes, of course, those things help, but my strength comes from what Christ Jesus did. He even goes ahead and calls out Christ Jesus, our Lord. We're going to talk a little bit more why Paul refers to this guy named Jesus. Um, but, but I think it's really interesting and important that we see right off the bat where our strength comes from. It says, he considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him. Paul did not wake up one morning just all out of the blue and decided he wanted to serve Jesus. Paul's actually doing quite the opposite. You'll see that in the next verse. But um, it, it's a good reminder that when we are in Christ, when we become a Christian and surrender to him, it's him that lets us come alongside him. Uh, And so even as we go into the next verse, verse 13, it says, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ, in my insolence, I persecuted his people, but God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. I'm just going to put it bluntly. Paul was a bad dude. Trey's probably mentioned this a few times um, because I know we like to read a lot of Paul's writings, but Paul was a Christian killer. Paul was, like, when he says, blaspheming the name of Christ, he was persecuting Christians in the early days of Christianity just for being Christians. He was literally hunting down Christians. And so to even see now the transformation, it, it caused me, I don't know about y'all, but it caused me to, to wonder, wow, what, what happened? And so even if you, if you look on your own time in Acts 9, it shows that Paul was encountered by Jesus. Paul was going about his life and um, just having beat up Christians, to put it super plainly, Paul is encountered by Jesus and Jesus changes his life. Jesus brings him to himself. He, he sees a major transformation that all of a sudden he goes from Christian killer to Christian multiplier. So he's killing Christians and now all of a sudden his goal is to grow the church and plant churches. And so even this, as a 22-year-old, I'm thinking to myself, this is like something to take note of. If we see a guy who it's written all throughout the early New Testament, that is a bad dude, and then all of a sudden now he's the one starting churches, it's very, very interesting what has to take place and what you have to realize to understand how that transformation. Um, Even as we continue on into verse 14, it says, oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with the faith and love that comes from Christ Jesus. Paul again gets it. It's not anything I did. It's not that I'm a good person. It's that Christ Jesus did something for me that then allowed me to be filled with faith and love because of what Christ did, because of who Jesus is and what he did for us. (laughs) This is, when I read this, I thought about some of those generous people I know. My parents are so generous. My grandparents, um, they've done so much for me and are doing anything they can to put me in a position to succeed. And, And I compare that to how God is, it doesn't compare. The God we serve, the God we're here at Wellspring talking about, is a God that is generous beyond our imagination. And there's, this verse just gets to the tip of how that is. Um, as we continue on to verse 15, this is really where I want to camp out. It says, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. This is where the connection came to how Trey talked about Ephesians 2, that we are born in sin, 
this is where it connects to this passage for me and what I want to share with y'all that God's been teaching me a lot, is that we are born in sin. It's the nature of our fallen world that, yes, God wanted a perfect, harmonious world for us to live in, but unfortunately, we're selfish. And, and that's, I would say, step one is realizing that you are selfish. And if not, maybe ask your spouse or your sibling, um, because I feel like it's just common knowledge that we're, it's a naturally broken world. Uh, and, and that stinks, but it's the way it is that we are born into this sinful world. And so what do we do about it is what matters. This is saying Christ Jesus came into the world for sinners. He came into the world to save sinners. Even in Luke 5, (laughs) this is a different gospel of Jesus. It says Christ did not come for the righteous, but for the sinners to be saved, for the sinners to come to repentance. And, And so all these things are piling up to see Christ is coming for sinners. And so if I'm all full of myself, if I'm all think I'm the best thing since sliced bread, this is not the Christ Jesus that that I would say that I serve. And so it it caused me to do some serious thinking uh, and realizing where I am. I I even want to hammer home the point that this is not me trying to accuse anyone. This is just me informing. If you read through all of scripture, it's just informing that it's a sinful world and we're sinful before we come to Jesus. We're born in sin. And so I hope that it does not come across as me pointing down whatever, because I'm, I'm with you. Like, it's a hard, broken world. <laughs> but we have a God who loved us so much. And many of you have heard this before. It's the crux of our faith. We have a God that loved us so much that he actually sent his son. And his son lived a perfect 30, 33, 34 years and then died for all of that sin. And that is the gospel. Many of you know that word. It's just a churchy word. It actually means good news. Um, In battle, they would shout um, this word when they won the battle. It's good news. The gospel means the good news for us. And, And in this case, for sinners. The good news is that Jesus came. He lived that perfect life. And because his life was perfect, he can then pay the payment for our sin. He can pay that, that payment. And, Now, getting back to the text, this is so interesting that Paul's the one saying this. Paul is saying, I am the worst of all. I was a Christian killer. I, my job was to hunt down Christians, and Jesus saved me, and now it's the opposite. It changed everything. That's what I want to really, if you don't leave here with anything else, leave knowing that the gospel changes everything. It's not a simple addition to our life. It's not, oh, I have baseball practice, school, I go to work, I work out, um, and, and then I go to church. And that's just the, the sixth of my six big activities. That's actually not the gospel that we see all throughout the Bible. The gospel is that it takes roots from everything and now Everything we do, all those things I listed, are now through the lens of God allows me to do this. I was in sin, and now because of what Jesus did, I have the ability to walk in freedom and new life. (laughs) I'm a visual learner. I don't know about y'all, but um, I saw, I have some pictures to show y'all that I think really helps me um, hammer this point home. I grew up thinking in middle school and all throughout, even in early high school, I grew up thinking when I put my faith in Jesus, it was me barely hanging on, like this picture. It was me just treading water, and I needed someone to throw me a life preserver. I needed something to come and help me. I was bad, and I wanted to become good. I think this is 
what a lot of us believe. It was definitely what I saw the Christian faith as. The unfortunate truth that I just want to inform is, is that Christianity is actually, and even just our nature, is actually this. It's harsh, but we're dead at the bottom of the ocean. We're not barely hanging on. When, when we accept Jesus, it's not bad to good. It's death to life. It's, it's death to life in that, that because of what Jesus did, we're a skull at the bottom of the ocean, and now we're, I guess, getting on the boat and driving away because of what Jesus did. We don't have anything without Jesus. And this is something I had to, to really wrestle with and learn that <laughs> it's not an addition. It changes everything when we accept the real gospel. I think the most plain way that I can put this, and I hope you all remember this, is the Jesus that you're bored with, the Jesus that you feel like you just don't really need, is not the real Jesus. That's not the Jesus that all of the Bible points to. The real Jesus is one that we desperately need because we are in sin, because we're dead in our sin. Spiritual, of course, it's not physical death. I'm so thrilled that there are people in this room who have not given their life to Jesus. I think it's... it's <laughs> the work of the Lord, that you are here today to hear the truth, to be informed. But because of where we are, it's not that, that we just become good. It's that we are actually saved, and we need this saved. I think another cool way is the depth of our sin must translate to the depth of our surrender. For Paul, for Paul, who was, who was a Christian at the time, he had a deep sin. He was hunting down Christians, and all of a sudden, he's multiplying Christians. Paul saw that the depth of his sin was what translated to the depth of his surrender. He said, if Jesus can save me from that, he can save me from anything. If Jesus can save me from that, then I'm going to do whatever he says to do. And, and of course, like, I even, I feel like that's a cliche in church. It's like, yeah, I can do anything for Jesus. That's true, like because of what Jesus did for us, because of where we were before him and then putting surrender, <laughs> surrendering to him, that's what allows us to step in freedom is trusting in Jesus and no longer trusting in ourselves. That's something I'm still learning. I have not arrived by any means. I mean, Karis can tell you, I am still a little bit full of myself and still pray that God can help me not live that Instagram bio of I just want people to know who I am. It's actually the opposite. Hustle until no, I can no longer like help people see me and see Jesus. That's like, it's not as, as pretty. It doesn't roll off the tongue as well, but it's the truth and it's the way it is. So again, if you are in the room and you're not a Christian, thank you for being here. I would say it's important to evaluate Jesus. That even sounds weird, weird to say because in the end days and, and the grand scheme of things, God is the final judge God is the one who judges us, and it doesn't really matter what we think of him. But now, today, right now, and as you go from this place, I would challenge you to evaluate the Jesus I'm talking about. Evaluate the Jesus that I'm saying we need, that we need this gospel of what Jesus did for us. And I would really just encourage you to continue checking in with, yes, who is he, but also evaluate yourself evaluate your, your purpose in life, evaluate where you are, and, and is it just barely hanging on? There's a lot of truth to that. I would say absolutely. If you feel like you're just treading water, barely hanging on, 
the perfect answer is Jesus. So that's not to say the last picture was wrong. Jesus is there to throw you a life preserver. It's just to say (laughs) the life preserver is accurate, but it's where we are that needs to be tweaked a little bit. We're dead without him, and he just wants to save you. That's what he came to do. Jesus came to save sinners. And so let's, for the the non-Christian, evaluate yourself, evaluate this Jesus I'm talking about. Um, For the Christians in the room, I have one or two more slight applications from the text that I want to finish out this passage in verse 16. But But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. I want to ask you all a question that I was slapped in the face with, I would say, a few years ago. If God, well, let me put it this way. Why didn't God just pluck you up from earth right after you get saved? So right after you surrender to Jesus, why doesn't God just pull you straight to heaven? Why don't you go straight from surrender to Jesus to heaven? It's because we are plan A. The the body of Christ is plan A to save the world. Obviously, God's going to do it through us. It's not on our own strength or power, as Paul got at. But it's important to realize that we're here for a reason. If you're in Christ, if God has saved you, praise him. That's so exciting. Like, that just makes me smile. It brings joy to me that we can say we're in Christ. But with that being said, like, realize that you are a prime example. Realize that around you, others are realizing what God can do. For Paul, who's writing this, it was the worst of sinners. He said it himself. That's a pretty big deal when you say with even the worst of sinners like me, he can do big things. He changed everything about Paul. The gospel changes everything. It's not an addition. It's your new life. It's the lens you see everything in. And so if this applies to Paul, it applies to all of us. It applies to everyone in the room that If you're not in Christ, you can be because of what Jesus did. If you are in Christ, it's for others to realize. Psalm 23 is one of my favorite psalms. Um, I think it's verse 3 of Psalm 23. It says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's a verse that really caused me to wrestle. Because for a while, I thought, This whole Jesus thing, the gospel I believe in, was for me to make my life the best possible. And it will. Inevitably, if the gospel is true, if it's the real gospel in your life, it's going to change everything. And it's going to make it the best possible. However, with that being said, it's it's more than that. The gospel is is more than that. It it changes everything. And, And It's when we physically start to live this out that we see God continue to use us to save us. And so there's one other, it's it's still in 1 Timothy in chapter 3 that I think is a cool way to practically live this out. So if we are Christians, the practical way to go about this. um, Let's flip there in 1 Timothy 3, starting in verse 14. Paul says, I'm writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. So Paul's saying, I want to be with you in person. I want to come help at the church of Ephesus, but I'm not with you right now, and I don't really know when I can get there. So in the meantime, it's really important that this is how you conduct yourselves in the household of God. The household of God is 
Just another way of saying the church, the local church, Wellspring Church, the body of Christ. Hebrews 10 says, never forget to stir one another up, not neglecting to meet. So the, the plan that God has for us when we put our lives in him is to be involved in the church. To understand the depth of our sin translates to the depth of our surrender. So when you do surrender, do it with people that are in the same boat as you battling a hard world that is still sinful, that we need community to go through it with. And so Paul's saying here, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This next line is so good about the church. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. It says the church is the pillar and foundation. Pillars are what hold things up. If you think about a building, a pillar holds things up. This word foundation actually means, in other versions, I think it's more accurate, it's actually the buttress. Buttresses hold things in. So the pillars hold things up, buttresses hold things in. So what this is saying is the church is the thing that's presenting the truth and protecting the truth. Uh, It's so simple here that the church presents and protects the truth. Um, and, and so even as we look at presents and protects, it's advance and defend. We got to advance the truth to the onlooking world, but defend it against false teaching and things that are not truth. We got to support and strengthen. And, and so as we look at this, this is what the church is all about. This is why Wellspring exists, is to present and protect the truth. What is the truth, you might ask? I haven't really said, oh, this is the truth. I actually have. The truth is the gospel. It's the news of Jesus, that Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That is the truth, and it's good news that we are sinners. We need him. Our sin is deep, but Jesus paid the ultimate price, and because of that, our lives completely change. Our lives completely change when we actually understand this truth. We can move forward when we realize where we're at. And I even want to to hammer home on this of how Wellspring is doing this here in this place, in this church that I'm so glad all of you are are here this morning. Sunday mornings, the goal is to present and protect the truth that Jesus came into the world to save sinners. (laughs) He didn't come for the righteous. He came for sinners. We got to realize where we're at before Jesus. And and Wellspring has small groups that we want to live in community to talk about what God's doing in our lives, to talk about how we can continue to, to work through a hard world. There's things that happen to us that, that are just unfair. They just stink. And that's because it's a sinful world. And, and so even as I talk about what Wellspring's doing, I mentioned a few minutes ago, I'm moving to San Diego. Wellspring is sending me, it's Wellspring and many of you in the room, which I'm so thankful for, I'm actually going to help a church plant in San Diego because there's not, an, not a lot of churches in San Diego. And specifically, I'm going to be doing college ministry at that church. We're two or three minutes across the street from San Diego State University, who is just in the national championship for basketball. There's 40,000 plus students who most of them don't know the name of Jesus. And there's a need for more truth presenters and protectors. And so Wellspring and many of you are partnering with me through prayers, through advice, through financial support to send me to go help this church get started, Center City Church in San Diego. <laughs> I, it reminds me of a story. I was in San Diego for a mission trip. That's how we kind of got connected to them. Um, and I was on the beach. 
I was on the beach with um, students. It was just a college ministry outreach night. We were on campus one day, and we were just inviting students to come to the bonfire. We were going to have, I think, hot dogs and s'mores. Just That's an easy way to get college students is just have food. And, and, so, and so we're out there, and I'm, this is two years ago now, so I'm still grasping this whole Christianity thing and even wanting to share it with others. And I see a guy on the other side of our little beach bonfire spot. He's wearing a Jesus is King hoodie. This hoodie literally says in huge lettering, Jesus is King. And I'm like, oh my gosh, thank goodness. This is an easy end. I can go talk to him for a few minutes about religion and I get the check that I had my spiritual conversation. <laughs> so I walk over to him and I'm like, dude, that's a sick hoodie. Like that is really cool. I love that. What does that mean to you? Trying to get him to share with me. And he looks at me and he says, what are you talking about? That's, that's Kanye's new album, and I love a few of the songs. And I laughed at first. Then we talked for 15 or 20 more minutes. Well, the, my next question was, okay, dope. I've, I've heard some of those songs too. It's, it's, it's good music, but does it have a deeper meaning? I would say Jesus King means a lot to me. I would say Jesus is my savior. Does that have any similar meaning to you? <laughs> And he looks at me and he says, just straight up, no, I'm not, not sure what you're talking about. We talked for 15 or 20 more minutes. He'd never heard the gospel. He knew that Jesus was a religious figure. He did not know. He literally did not know that Jesus came and lived an actual life. He walked on this very earth. He died for us. And it just made me realize that there is a great need for more people presenting and protecting the truth. We need, and I even tell y'all this to say, you don't got to move to San Diego to do it. My mom probably wants to tell me that, but <laughs> you don't got to move. I'm moving there because God's made it clear this is a very specific need that he's pulling my wife into. There's opportunities all around you to present the truth and protect it with your coworkers, with your neighbors, with your families. And so use the opportunity to be the prime example that Paul's talking about that our life completely changes. It goes from death to life, not just bad to good. The real Jesus, we can't be bored with because it's an ultimate need. We need Jesus in our lives if we want to have spiritual ultimate purpose in life. It takes me back to even how I started, how this message came to be, that I was here and Trey challenged us with, we don't like to admit it, but it's only when we do that we experience God like we're supposed to. I would venture to say Everyone in this room, even if you were drugged here by your, your family or your friend, that everyone here wants to experience God like we're supposed to. We want to realize the truth. We want to experience him in all his fullness and hope that it transforms our life. And what my hope that you go from this place is you take a next step to do that. If you're a Christian in the room, get involved in the local church. It's not just Sunday mornings. I grew up thinking the church would, going to church changes the first half of my day on Sundays. Actually, no, going to church, being involved in church changes everything because it's your new community. It, it sends you to Camp Bob Cooper with 150 crazy kids. It, it changes the way we host dinners and have people over. It changes the way we serve. It changes the way we do love and be and that kind of thing and reach our community for the truth. And so if you are a Christian in the room, I would say get involved. Realize that you're a prime example of what God's doing and realize that we need it, that we're dead in sin and Christ makes us alive. He throws us that life preserver and he's so happy to do it. 
He loves you and he wants a relationship with you. You just gotta have it with him. You just gotta give him time, whether that's reading the Bible, whether that's praying, whether that's being in community, coming to church. He wants to know you (laughs) deeply. That's his deep desire. And if you're in the room and you're not a Christian, again, thank you for being here. I love Wellspring because I genuinely believe Wellspring is one of the safest places to ask your questions, to have your doubts. There's people in the Blue Room that would love, this is even funny to say, they would love for you to come to them and share your doubts about Christianity. We want that. We really do. We want to be able to say, yeah, let's talk about it now and let's go get lunch tomorrow. And would you actually want to come to my Bible study? Like that's our deepest desire is to walk with you one step at a time in this Christian life, to experience God like we're supposed to. So wherever you're at, continue to move forward, continue to seek Jesus because he wants a relationship with you. So wherever you're at, do that. Thank you all so much. Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are. You are the definition the ultimate sacrifice through your son, Jesus, that saves us. You are love. God, it's because of what your son did. It's because of you sending Jesus to die for us that we can now live in freedom and walk in him. And it's gonna change everything and we're thankful for that. So would you help us wherever we are in the room? Would you continue to to show us that the gospel does change everything? changes the way we see everything, the way we act towards everyone, that because of what you did, that we can step into newness of life with you. We love you so much. I just ask that that you would continue to, to seek and save those in the room that are wrestling with if this is even real. God, please nudge them to send a text or go to the blue room or have a conversation. Please help them ask the hard questions because they matter. So Lord, we love you so much and ask all this in your son's name. Thanks, Timmy. See why I love this week? I mean, to have Davis come back and share what God's doing in his heart with us is it's overwhelming, man. Um, I needed to be reminded. <laughs> Jesus didn't come because I was bad. I needed to be made good. He came because I was dead. And I need a life. So thank you, buddy. Thank you, Davis, so much. Um, and as he mentioned, uh, many of you probably didn't know this, um, we get to be a part of Davis's next step um, as a church. Um, I'm so excited what he's going to do out in San Diego. And uh, your generosity um, makes it possible for us to be able to, to invest in Davis and, and in what he's doing. Um, and in fact, the, the moment we come to right now is what makes it possible. Um, if you attend our church regularly, you know we, we, we pause every week uh, at the end of our service and we say thank you to God for who he is and for what he's done. And we do it in a bit of a unique way. So if you're a guest today, I always like to prepare you. We do this a little different. Let me show you what we do, then I'm going to explain why we do it. All right. Hey, Wellspring, it's time to give our offering. Yeah. See, we clap every single week. We clap in this moment because one of the core values of our church is that we believe that we get to give. Um, Giving is a privilege. Generosity is a privilege. We can only be generous because the God of the universe was first generous with us. 
He gave his son. He gives us our gifts, our strengths, our talents, our abilities. He gives us our opportunities. So the only reason we can be generous in this moment is because he was first generous with us. And so we clap each week to remind ourselves, hey, this is a thing that we get to do. Um, And your investment, your generosity, your obedience in this moment allows us to invest in Davis. And it allows us to take 166 students to camp. It allows us to do all the things that God is doing to present and protect his message of his son. So let me pray for us, and we're going to give back to God. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We thank you so much for this opportunity to to hear an amazing message and to have our, our hearts be reminded of your goodness, of the magnitude of what you did. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to give back to you right now. I pray as you always do, you'll use these gifts, these tithes, these offerings to continue to change lives here in Myrtle Beach and around the world, Father, because that's where these dollars are going, and we thank you for it. Father, thank you for this time. Bless these gifts. We love you. We thank you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So as we pass the buckets, uh, as I said, you know, this is a big week in the life of our church. We are taking 166 students to camp this week. Um, yes, you, yeah, that's, that's huge. So excited. Um, I would love for you to join us this week in prayer. Um, when you remember, pray for those students. Um, pray that their lives will be changed this week. Pray that every single one of the students and the adults there will take a next step towards Jesus because it's a lifetime of steps. Um, I would also like you to pray for the adults. If you know an adult going, you really need to be nice to them today. Um, If there's a spouse going and a spouse not going, if you're not going, be super kind today. Uh, Maybe make dinner, you know, um, because it's going to be a week. It is, I'm not going to lie. It's going to be, it's going to change your life. But you're going to be tested. You're going to be grown in ways you didn't know possible. But here's what I'll tell you, here's what I'll tell you. The reason it's one of my favorite weeks of the year is because of what Davis talked about. It's because every single year, you get to see the lights come on in a student's eyes. And you get to see that moment, it clicks. And they place their faith in their Savior and they cross over from death to life. And you get to be a part of that. As our church, you're a part of that. So pray for us. Celebrate. And then come back next week as we all come back and celebrate. We have one more student, Campbell Sims, coming uh, to preach to us. It's going to be fantastic. I cannot wait to see God's going to, can't wait to share with you what God does this week. So love you guys. We have one more song to sing. So why don't you stand to your feet and let's sing together.